This is the intersection. The intersection. This is the Intersection Podcast, recorded Friday, the 30th of March, 2018. Episode 32, Apple Stole My Base. The Intersection Podcast is only made possible through the support of its listeners and sponsors. If you have a product or service that you feel may appeal to our audience, please contact sponsor at intersectioncast.com. Hello and welcome to The Intersection, the podcast that bridges together the worlds of tech and pop culture. And a happy Easter to you as we celebrate during this extended uh, bank holiday weekend. And I thought I'd get an episode of the podcast in, particularly as we've had uh, quite a busy week in terms of uh, Apple and in tech. And um, starting off really with their education event, their spring event that they had on the 27th of March, which was Tuesday. Um, this was specifically aimed at the education sector. So this was not a consumer event. Um, the invitation made it clear that this event really was for, um, teachers and educational institutions. So schools and universities, colleges, that sort of thing. Um, and the event itself wasn't actually held at, um, Apple's, um, on, on Apple's campus, on one of their usual auditoriums. It was actually held in a school in Chicago in the US. So um, we knew from the offset, really, that this this um, wouldn't be a um, an event uh, that would be as big a deal as spring events that they've had in the past, where they've uh, announced new hardware and, and new services. And in actual uh, fact, Apple didn't even stream this event live. So... Yeah, like I said, we knew from the offset that um, this was going to be a fairly minor event in the grand scheme of things. But actually, um, if you are interested in um, you know ed- education and in terms of how tech can be used in education, it was actually quite a compelling event. Um, Apple have let things slide when it comes to um, use of their products in um, in in educational establishments and. Um, institutions uh, mainly because of the price actually apple products are, are normally sort of priced at a premium they're considered luxury items um, especially considering their prices these days and um, other companies such as google have been um, getting a bit more headway um, google for example offer the um, g suite of applications unlimited cloud storage to um, to students within within um, schools and colleges and universities um, they also have um, cheap hardware. They they offer a 140 pound um, Chromebook, um, you know, which which is very very good value. Um, and I think you get, you know, tech support from Google for an extra 15 pounds or something like that, 15 17 pounds with each Chromebook. Um, so you know that is, is compelling in itself. So, so really, all eyes were on Apple to um, to see what they could do to sort of counter what Google have been offering schools. And um, obviously, Apple could do that in a number of ways. And um, as, as they did um, demonstrate that they had a number of compelling software solutions for both students and teachers and also a hardware solution in in, um, in in the form of a new iPad, which is what we totally expected coming into this event. Um, we didn't expect anything else, really. There was rumours of a, a cheaper MacBook. Um, some were sort of uh, describing it as it was going to be a sort of a beefed up MacBook Air um, with a retina screen and, and you know and what have you and um, that never came to pass but we what we did get actually was a new iPad and that's no surprise really because Apple have for the past couple of years really been pushing the iPad as a replacement to the traditional computer um, particularly with students and sort of casual um, computer users and um, the solution to that really was the iPad Pro but the problem with the iPad Pro is it's far too expensive. Um, it's far too expensive. I, I, you know, I wouldn't push the iPad Pro to, to educators. And um, 
but the thing is the ipad pro is the is is, is the device uh, that has the um the unique features over the the um the entry-level ipad in terms of the dedicated keyboard and the apple pencil and these things will be you know they'd be very useful to students so we suspected that we would get a cheaper ipad in this event and we certainly did and we suspected that there would be um apple keyboard or pencil support and it wasn't apple keyboard support but there was a pencil support but um i mean i'll go into the um the new ipad in, in a second i just want to run through quickly some of the um the software announcements that were made i mean you may or may not be interested but um you know if you have children at school or if you're a student yourself you you might find some of these announcements of interest the first major software announcement was um, an application an ipad application called schoolwork simply enough and um, this is um, in apple's own words um, a powerful application that helps teachers and students keep track of assignments and progress. And this tightly integrates with a framework that was introduced called ClassKit. Now, ClassKit is coming um, to iPads in iOS 11.4. And with ClassKit, you can help teachers easily discover specific learning activities in your app. Um, so this is ClassKit is a framework aimed towards third party app developers, because obviously the schoolwork app will initially um, work with Apple's own suite of productivity applications. Um, we're talking pages, numbers, and keynotes, etc. Um, and so ClassKit uh, will take students directly to the right activity with a single tab and securely and privately share progress data to help teachers personalize instruction. So basically, it's a central repository of schoolwork. Um, your schoolwork your, uh, gets assigned within this app and within this app you keep track of deadlines and, and you know a brief of, of what you need to do and, and progress and essentially you submit your work via this app and you I, I would imagine that's where you will receive feedback from from teachers so it's all very high tech it, it's all very interesting and obviously it will become a lot more useful once other developers um, take advantage of, of, of the class kit framework. So in the interim, Apple obviously were in a position to show how their productivity apps um, will, will work now, um, will work better for um, students uh, doing schoolwork and, and teachers marking schoolwork. And um, they, so their word processor, uh, which is called Pages, they demoed that and some new Apple Pencil integration. So there's a new feature called Smart Annotation that will allow users, and in this scenario teachers, to mark up documents um, on the page without fuss. Now you can mark up a document already in, in pages, so you might think, what's the difference? Well, the difference is, and there's an example that they showed, um, so someone's written an assignment about, I don't know, um frogs i'm just making this up <laughs> and um you know there's the name a particular type of frog and they've mentioned that name and you you know there's a bit of a problem what they've referenced so you might annotate and draw a circle around it and then continue to mark up the document the thing is that it attaches that annotation and that markup to that word so it doesn't matter how the document is rejigged and reformatted and and, and you know and chopped and changed around the comments um, are anchored to that particular word or that particular area that has been circled so they're not just sort of sitting free form on the page they're actually they're significantly anchored to the words around them so that would be useful um, particularly um, when students need to um, to, 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 to consider feedback that has been given to them by the teachers um, pages has also got um, an an ebook creation feature so you can create um, a, a digital book and save it in the popular epub format um, this is kind of like ibooks author um, but the uh, ibooks author is a mac application at the moment and so this um, the ability to create an ebook can now be done within pages from the ipad itself um, and again that is a good way for not only books to be produced but just think of reports think of project work that sort of thing it can all be organized and saved digitally and um, they demonstrated that you know obviously it wouldn't just contain sort of text 
but or, or still images, but you could integrate um, video and, and, and all sorts of other um, multimedia um, audio files, etc., within the the book format. So I mean that would be useful as well. So the um, the idea is that um, Apple's sort of dream, if you will, or Apple's sort of vision of of the um the, the new um classroom is that everything centers around the ipad i mean the ipad is essentially the hub for everything and you know with an ipad all things are possible and the ipad is a great assistant to the student and the teacher so um they also announced an application called classroom so this is how teachers essentially manage the ipads themselves and they can um, allocate uh, Apple ID accounts to the students, and there was a demo of this being done in bulk. So you you, you know you can create thousands of Apple ID accounts in literally a few minutes. Um, I would imagine if you give it a list of names, and each student has its own iCloud account. So there are now iCloud accounts for students, and Apple um, actually made quite uh, um, a generous offer and have announced that each student will receive 200 gigabytes of iCloud storage for their productivity. And this is actually quite a quite a jump up from the previous limit, which was five, five gigabytes, um, previous free limits, so to speak. So yeah, so for free, each student will be getting 200 gigs of storage. Um, the Classroom app for teachers is also coming onto the Mac. So management can be done there as well. And you may be thinking, OK, great. Well, you know, what, what school these days, particularly with the government that we have in place at the moment in the UK, what schools these days can afford to issue each of their students with an iPad? Apple have got you covered, too, because they have announced user profiles on the iPad. Now, this is a feature that will only be available to education so you can't use this feature at home which is a shame because it would be very useful if you could use this feature at home but what once an apple id um account has been set up for each student um that you will see a list of users on the ipad you simply select which one is you you enter your password and you know it takes about a minute they said for the profiles to switch and then it'll be like your own ipad so all of your data, all of your applications, all of your email, all you know, everything in terms of your um, your schoolwork app, everything is there as you left it, and it's your iPad, it's your profile, and you can switch between profiles very easily, as, as I mentioned before. So, I mean, and that that's great. That is something actually that will help schools because a lot of schools can only really afford one or, or one or at most two iPads to a, to a class, um, and it's just a good way for um to, to certainly to deal with things and to deal with the issues of lack of funding and it's it's a good feature and i do hope as i said this is a feature that's going to come to um to regular regular ipad users um it would be useful at home particularly if you've got an ipad and you're sharing it with kids at home for those scenarios as well if they're doing homework and, and and like that they are able to create their own user profiles and switch between them on the fly now apple's always been um quite enthusiastic about augmented reality and they demonstrated how augmented reality can help students in the classroom and obviously um this is uh, with direct reference to ar kit which has seen a recent um upgrade in ios 11.3 more on that in a minute um and they showed they showed examples so they showed for example um i think it's called frogopedia um is an application where um you can essentially now dissect a frog using the apple pencil and your ipad you use your ipad's camera to um you know to have the camera focus on the surface that could be the table in front of you you then get a digital um representation of a frog so there's no real frogs to deal with no real dead frogs to deal with anymore which is half the fun of dissection um and you can literally dissect that frog with your apple pencil so you can splice it apart you can take out parts of its body you can identify what they are 
you can move it around and rotate it 360 degrees you can you can do whatever you want you you're manipulating this digital frog um and you know what okay that is probably a lot less messy than real dissection and um, i would imagine schools would be more enthusiastic about that now um so that's one way ar is helping kids in the classroom another way um well another thing they demoed was um studying art for example they showed a um a piece of artwork that's only really um accessible if you, if you go to a museum to view it and as you know when you go to art galleries you can only get you, you can only get up 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 close and personal to a piece of art to an extent um you certainly can't go within touching distance of it or you'll find yourself um removed from the facility pretty quickly so what ar kit allows you to do is again just to use uh, the camera to focus on uh, i think they had a whiteboard in this demo and on the screen of the ipad what the, what the student was seeing was seeing this work of art that's actually in a museum someplace else so as the student was holding their ipad and moving closer towards the whiteboard the ipad screen was showing them moving closer towards the painting to the point where they can walk right up right up close they're within touching distance to the to, to the whiteboard which then on the screen looks like they're within touching distance of the painting to the point where they can see all of the fine detail in high resolution such as brush strokes etc and the idea of that is they can get up close and intimate with a work of art where which would be simply be impossible it would simply be impossible to do in a museum and of course it it avoids a trip to to a museum so um that's another demo of how augmented reality can help kids in the classroom. Whether you think that's better than actually taking the trip to an art gallery or not, that's up to you. So on to the hardware, obviously Apple gave a lot of mention of the iPad as um, a valuable educational tool. So a new iPad was obviously incoming. And um, because a lot of the interactivity shown in the demos were revolving around the Apple Pencil, um, one would suspect that the new iPad that was incoming would be an iPad Pro. It actually wasn't. Um, they've announced uh, the sixth generation iPad, which um, is an upgrade to the low cost iPad that they launched last year. Now, this one is actually pretty good value, I would say, for someone who's in the market for an entry level iPad. So, this new iPad, sixth generation iPad, starts from £319. Um, there is a discount if you are if you're you're buying it for educational purposes. So basically if you're a school or college, etc., you get it for $299, which isn't the best discount in the world um, when it comes to um, giving concessions to educational institutions, but nonetheless $299 for schools, $319 for everyone else. That's for the entry level one. Now, here's the trick. The entry level one is 32 gigabytes, has 32 gigabytes of storage, which isn't much at all. Um, but bearing in mind, if you're using this thing for students, students are going to get 200 gigs of iCloud storage. 32 gigs, though, for consumer usage is absolutely nothing these days. And it jumps up um, to uh, £409 if you go for the next storage option, uh, which is 128 gigabyte. Now, that's a heck of a jump. Um, that's exactly the same sort of trick they pulled with the iPhone 10. Started off with 64 gigabytes, jumped considerably to 256. Um, so it then becomes £409. And I'm talking about the Wi-Fi only version. If you wanted uh, Wi-Fi plus cellular, which is probably not really needed, um, certainly in school, um, that will cost you three hundred. Um, sorry, three hundred five hundred and thirty nine pounds for the one hundred and twenty eight gigabyte option and four hundred and forty nine pounds for the thirty two gigabyte option, which just seems pointless. Now, this iPad is a nine point seven inch iPad. So if you remember the iPad Pro, the second iPad Pro, the nine point seven inch one that was released, I think think in gosh was it 2017 was it before then i think it was before then then obviously this one's the same size um but this one is considerably cheaper and it's actually faster so this one um doesn't come with the latest um a11 
uh, processor, but this comes with uh, A10 Fusion. And um, what that basically means is you're getting a uh, an iPad the same sort of speed as an iPhone 7. So yeah, that's the A10 Fusion processor. And um, so this, however, does support the Apple Pencil. So you're saving a lot of money compared to your only other option to use an Apple Pencil before, which would be the current iPad Pro. And the current iPad Pro is um there there are some slight differences um with that for example um the bezels are slightly smaller so you have pretty much the same form factor as this new ipad but you would get a bigger screen you get a 10.5 inch screen um you would have smoother text and better graphics because you would take advantage of the uh, promotion feature um, which basically gives you a 120 hertz refresh rate. Uh, so it makes everything, all the motion on the screen, sort of smoother, more responsive, crisper. I've, I've described that before. And also things such as True Tone, where the white balance of the display is adjusted to match ambient lighting. All of that stuff is still exclusive to the iPad Pro. So you're not going to get any of that with this new iPad, despite the fact. But you know what? If you just want um, a, a regular iPad, um with a decent screen and just that, that pencil support at a low cost you know you can't you can't really beat this new uh, 9.7 inch ipad like i said um the ipad pro does have all the bells and whistles and the fancy features that you know the higher you'd expect from a high-end model um but look at the price difference the um the cheapest ipad pro at the moment the 10.5 inch ipad pro it starts from 619 pounds with 64 gigabytes of storage i mean that goes way up that goes way up. And then this 10-inch, I haven't even moved to the 12-inch. The 10-inch goes up to 969 pounds for 512 gigabytes. So there is a significant, significant price difference with this uh, entry-level iPad that's been announced now. But, I mean, there are some other differences that you need to be aware of, though. Um, there are some limitations. I talked about the screen display technology mainly. Um, one surprise was, okay, so we have Apple Pencil support on this um, new 9.7-inch iPad. What about Apple Keyboard support? We don't have any of that. That is being That remains an exclusive feature of the iPad Pro line because the Apple Keyboard uses the smart connector, the magnetic connector, which is much more reliable than any sort of Bluetooth keyboard. Um, and I thought that that's actually something that they would um, allow for with this iPad. If they're pitching it to um, to education, um, to the classroom, to students, they're going to need a keyboard, surely. <laughs> if they want this thing to be a replacement to the personal computer, it's going to need a keyboard. Now, OK, so there's no Apple smart keyboard support because there's no smart connector. But there is obviously Bluetooth support, so you can use any old Bluetooth keyboard on this new iPad. Um, so, you know, you have, there are certain things you have to take into consideration if, you, if, if you're considering this cheaper iPad. Um, the final thing you really need to, to, to pay attention to is the camera. The camera is uh, very inferior on this new iPad compared to the iPad Pro. I'm talking a uh, only an 8 megapixel camera compared to the 12 megapixel Pro one. Um, the, the iPad Pro camera also has optical image stabilization. Um, you don't have, have any of that at all. You also have 4K video recording on the um, iPad Pro. You don't get 4K at all. You get 1080p tops on this new iPad. You don't get a flash. You've got only a 1.2 megapixel front um, facing camera for FaceTime compared to the 7 megapixel one on the iPad Pro um it, it's not i mean if you are looking to use the ipad for photography which in itself is a little weird um it's not gonna really do well for you um other little hardware differences include the audio so ipad pros have four speakers uh, you can get some very loud volumes from that this new ipad only has two um but other than that in terms of the battery life 10 hours in terms of the general size of the product and the general weight of the product you know 1.03 pounds um it, it's pretty much identical 
And so if it's enough for you, it is pretty much a good deal. Um, it's still a capable device. It's still a thin and reliable device. It's something you can easily carry around. And, you know, that Apple Pencil support is 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 is, is good. You know, it's brilliant. It, op it opens doors to all sorts of different things you can do in terms of productivity. The thing that gets to me, though, I already mentioned that the concessions for the schools is a little bit mean. I mean, what they're saving, what, about £30? Big deal. Um, I personally think that the price should have been £299 start, the starting price to, for, to consumers and then perhaps um, £249 or something like that for, for schools or maybe even cheaper, £199. You know, why not? Um, and all this talk is great of a cheap iPad, but the Apple Pencil remains the same price. It's still on sale for £89. So that's... Yeah, that's like, what is that? That's a third of the price of the iPad itself. Um, I, I, I was expecting them to actually release a second generation of Apple Pencil and perhaps offer the first generation at a discounted price. But I suspect if they're going to release a second generation of Pencil, they will announce that when they announce um, new iPad Pros which they could very well do at WWDC. Um, so we've got the Worldwide Developers Conference in June. That's normally uh, there to announce the next version of iOS. So that'll be iOS 12. But on occasion, um, Apple have been known to um, announce new hardware. And we could see new iPad Pros then. Who knows? And speaking of new hardware, there's been a little bit of um, news on the rumor mill concerning Apple's next... Uh, version of the Apple Watch, so that, that would be the Apple Watch Series 4. Um, we probably won't see anything um, surfacing until autumn, I would say, um, of this year. I don't because there haven't there hasn't been a, a dedicated spring event for the watch uh, scheduled. We've just had this educational one, so I, I would say later on in the year, maybe just before the new iPhones get announced, or possibly. Um, you know, around the same time as they get announced. But um, the rumor mill is saying, and this is according to Ming-Chi Kuo of KGI Securities. So basically they are tech industry analysts who have a reputation for being quite reliable, actually, because of um, little birdies and insiders um, on, in the supply chain. Um, but apparently um, the new Apple Watch uh, that will be announced later this year will have a new form factor, a more trendy a new form factor, which is, which makes sense, actually, because we've had three generations of Apple Watch, four if you count Series 0 with the same um, design, and it is time for a bit of a change. At the moment, the screen sizes are 38 and 42 millimeter, and um, apparently uh, this new watch will have a larger display. And um, this analyst is claiming that it'll be a roughly 15% uh, larger display. And as it's a larger display, there'll be more room for a bigger battery. So with that will be improved battery life. And there's also rumors of um, new sensors uh, that um, be, uh, measure beyond sort of heart rate monitoring um, that um, the uh, current Apple Watches are pretty much restricted to. Um, so new medical sensors, I don't know what those will be. Um, we will certainly find out. Um, I would imagine that Apple will probably push on sleep tracking now because you've got the bigger battery. It will last through the night. Um, but, you know, th th that's all we know for now. I mean, I'm interested to see what um, new form factor Apple Watch would look like. Um, I do wonder if the bands, the watch bands, will still be compatible. Um, Apple's created a little industry in itself through selling these watch bands. They've just recently announced the new spring colors. Uh, you can find those on their website. I won't go through those now. Um, so I would imagine it'd be in their interest to um, make the bands uh, remain compatible. So um, anyway, we'll find out later on in the year. And slightly related to the Apple Watch, or directly related to the Apple Watch, um, but another news item, the Apple Watch trading program um, that they had in the United States um, has been brought to the UK. And um, they call it a trade-up. And the idea is you, obviously, you, tra you trade in your 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 Apple Watch, and obviously without the bands and without the charger, just the watch face itself. 
and you get credit towards a new one. And, you know, well, there's not much to be impressed with, actually, with this. Um, and much like the iPhone trading program with Apple, it's not particularly generous. Um, going on their website, if you trade in an Apple Watch uh, first generation, also known as Series Zero, you can get up to a whopping £65. Yes. If you trade in your Apple Watch Series 1, a whopping £70, up to. Series 2, up to £145. There's nothing there for Series 3, because obviously that's the current model. Now, I said up to. Now, you know why, don't you? Because obviously up to is going to be for the higher priced models. So the regular Apple Watch stainless steel editions. I would imagine the sports editions, which are probably the most popular ones. And chances are, if you have an Apple Watch, you have a sports one. Um, the aluminium sports models, you won't be getting as much as those poultry amounts are offering anyway. Um, I'm trying to have a look and the, their site seems to be dead um well the the, um, the recycling site that um that actually gives you the quote seems to be down i can't quite find out the prices for what they're offering for the sports models so you bet your bottom dollar as the americans say that the prices quoted here which aren't great anyway are for the um the stainless steel models and that really it's not worth trading in at all not for what they're offering so on uh, yesterday, actually, Thursday, Apple announced or rather released iOS 11.3. So finally, 11.3 was released for absolutely everything. iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, um, you know, Apple TV, even a HomePod. Um, and with 11.3, we were uh, well, we were expecting to be a significant um, update and um, most of the features that were announced in or available on the 11.3 beta uh, did make it most of them <laughs> um, for example we have new animoji what we do we have um, a lion a bear dragon and a skull if if you actually still use animojis after buying an iphone 10 i don't think I've used them since the first day when I got the phone and I was just goofing around with them. Um, we have uh, features such as business chat in iMessage. So you can directly get in touch with a business through um, through iMessage um, and obviously chat about products and they can send suggestions and, and they can send you links if you've decided that's what you want. And you can even initiate an Apple Pay payment uh through business chat so direct communication with businesses um i don't know of any in the uk that are going uh, that support it yet uh, to be honest um everything mentioned is um for the us so don't expect to notice that in the uk for a while um we have um apple have now taken approach with data and, and, and privacy especially after the facebook scandal you know we talked about that last episode and so when you update any of your apple products to 11.3 you get um a, a little icon a little indicator uh which you know which is essentially um, two two stick figures shaking hands and apple say that they will display this every time an Apple feature asked to use your personal information. I think what they want to do is to build up trust and transparency, make it absolutely clear as to when your data is being used. So you're fully aware of it and you fully have the options to opt in or opt out. Um, and obviously nothing is done under your nose, unlike what Facebook have obviously been doing to us for a long time. Another feature that made it into um, the iPhones is the um, the battery performance and health um, tool. Now, this um, this was promised by Apple after the, the the mini scandal broke that they were actually slowing down iPhones with um, depleted uh, batteries in order to avoid the devices from restarting. And so now you can have the op you have the option to check your battery wear level in um, the battery settings. You can disable um, the throttling that takes place. 
So the throttling takes place as a precaution to stop your, if you, provided your battery is worn, that is, which I think 80% is the threshold. Um, but it, it, the throttling takes place as a precaution to prevent your device from restarting. But you can disable that precautionary step if need be. And also, obviously, you can you check your battery health. And if it's below the optimum level, it will advise that you take it in for servicing. And at the moment, Apple will have promised uh, batteries can be replaced for the significantly cut down amount of £25. I think it went from £79 to £25. So if yours is, is worn, I, I checked that out. If your battery is worn, definitely book it in for a replacement. Um, the other little minor updates, um, Apple Music, for example, now has a dedicated music video section and that's obviously available on the Apple TV as well as iPhone and iPad. There's been some enhancements to um, augmented reality or the augmented reality capabilities of the iPhone. So AR Kit, which was introduced um, with iOS 11, um, we now have AR Kit 1.5. And the main difference is to allow developers to place virtual objects on vertical surfaces, such as walls and doors, as well as horizontal surfaces. Um, and there's there's all sorts of nifty things that can be done. Obviously, this works better with, with the iPhone 10, which has dedicated sensors for augmented reality. Um, it can also support the detection and integration of images such as movie posters um, and, and sort of translate those into augmented reality experiences. So these are all you know, uh, features for developers to tap into. And we'll see more of that in the coming months as apps get up updated or released. Um, we have another nifty useful feature, actually, which might easily be overlooked. Um, if you use iCloud Keychain, which um, allows you to store all of your passwords for your various accounts, for your own websites, etc., and it syncs that across devices. So if you go to a, um, a login form, uh, on the web on via safari and you can just use face id or touch id to authenticate yourself and um, to, to auto fill that form with your username and password which again is all stored in, in an encrypted manner on icloud um, now the one snag was that you were never able to have this level of convenience in apps where you have to log in this was always restricted to safari so now in iOS 11.3, um, you can now do this within apps themselves. So the automatic filling in of usernames and passwords for various apps. I would imagine some apps may need to be, I don't know for certain, may need to be updated before they can take advantage of this. I have yet to try it thoroughly, actually. Well, I could be completely wrong, or maybe this is available to all apps. Um, but um, nonetheless, um, you know, this, this is a convenient feature to have. Um, a number of bugs have been fixed in iOS 11.3, ones that used to drive me mad. Um, first of all, the um, the autocorrect capitalization bug. Um, so capitalize the first letter or some words using the automatic correction that used to drive me mad. Um, and one uh, dear to me, that used to drive me mad was um, notes. So I transferred thousands of notes from Evernote to um, Apple Notes because I figured, you know what, let's just have one account for everything. And Apple Notes is more than capable now because you can insert um, images and, and, and you can annotate and, and then what have you and attachments. And so I, I, I attempted to do that. And every time I would try to open up notes in my iPhone 10, the application would just freeze. I mean, it would just completely freeze. It was unusable. It was the way in which it was retrieving data from iCloud or syncing data with iCloud. So the only way I could use it was to uh, put the phone in airplane mode and then open notes. But most of the time I forget to do that. So I end up with, the, with notes crashing left, right and center. So it looks like that awful bug has finally touch wood been resolved because i haven't had any issues since updating so that's good that's good to see um so i mean that's a very quick what else is nios 11.3 oh apple watch has had a couple of um new features introduced um but nothing groundbreaking portrait mode for example portrait mode um 
on um, nightstand. So nightstand in portrait mode. Um, you, as you know, nightstand, is, if you place your Apple Watch um, down in a horizontal manner, you get a nifty, while it's charging, you get a nifty nightstand mode where you just see the time and just tap on it and nudge the watch gently in the middle of the night. And you can see what the time is. This now works um, when the watch is um, laid down in a, sort of a, um, a vertical manner in, 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 in portrait mode, screens in portrait mode. That's obviously for um, the upcoming air power which is the wireless charging pad that the watch will support. And obviously the idea is you'll lay your watch down there at night or charge overnight. And then you should be able to just see the time on the watch and use it as a standard, a standard clock, nightstand clock. Um, other than that, nothing really groundbreaking for Apple Watch, really. I'm sure there's plenty of minor bug fixes in there. Um, what vexates me, though, is what's actually missing from the iOS um, 11.3 update. I was hoping that we would finally in the UK see uh, the launch of Apple Pay Cash. There appeared to be a payment system, which would be very useful if you're splitting a bill or you owe someone money or you want to ping someone money, um, which is essentially a virtual debit card system using Apple Pay that um that uh, doesn't come to pass yet in the uk um i would imagine the banks are still arguing over that like they did with apple pay initially um i hate to see a situation where it would take a year for us to receive that feature much like apple pay um which was actually announced with the iphone 6 um so we haven't seen that yet in the uk that um feature has already been enjoyed by our friends in the united states and canada i believe um we also have no sign of iMessages in the cloud. Now, that's really weird because that one popped up in the beta again, and I thought that was ready to go. And that would be very useful, particularly those with limited storage, because our iMessages um, contain a lot of um, a, a lot of media, um, a lot of um, images that we attach, a lot of voice messages, all that stuff adds up. And to move all of that to iCloud, would save on a heck of a lot of storage on our, our devices. Also, we'd have the ability to sync messages and message statuses between devices, which is extremely useful because right now you can't do that with iMessage. If you um, open up, if you if you um, you know activate an iPhone or an iPad as as a new device, you log in with your iCloud account, you're not going to get your iMessages. You're not going to get your iMessage history, I should say. You'll get iMessages that come in eventually, but not your history. And also at the moment now, if I was to delete an iMessage from one device, it's it's still going to be on my other devices. So um, I I really was looking forward to iMessages in the cloud. Again, it, it it slipped. I don't know what the problem is. They must be having real trouble with getting it to work reliably. Um, so there's no sign of that. Also, and this is more annoying, there is no sign of AirPlay 2. The AirPlay 2 um, wireless standard um, to send um, video and audio wirelessly between iOS, Apple devices, no sign of it whatsoever. And that has several implications because a lot of Sonos users out there who wanted the convenience of AirPlay with their devices, uh, particularly those who have new products like the Sonos One, they were promised AirPlay 2, which means there's no AirPlay 2 for them. Um, the fact that there's no AirPlay 2 also means that HomePod still cannot um, take advantage of the multi-room audio and stereo pairing um, functionality that, that was promised, that was announced, you know, before it was released. Even though HomePod itself has received an update, um, an iOS 11.3 update. So, yep, I went to the Home app. I My HomePod is listed there under my living room, and it indicated to me that an update was available. So I thought, Yep, okay, let's update it. I wonder if Apple has activated those things I just mentioned. They didn't. I wonder if there's any new features. Not really. Um, any useful bug fixes? Well, there was really. There was one regarding podcasts, funnily enough. Podcasts, um, play, uh, the playback of podcasts would not sync over iCloud with a HomePod. So if you listen to a podcast halfway through on your iPhone or your Apple TV and you want to play that podcast on your HomePod using Siri voice command, it would just play from the beginning. It wouldn't know where you left off. That's been resolved. Um, but I went ahead and said, yep, yeah, okay, cool, update. Let's see what, you know, the first HomePod update has to offer. 
I'm telling you guys now and you girls now that do not update your HomePod. I'll tell you why now, because Apple have significantly changed the sound signature of the HomePod without letting us know, without get, giving us a, a, a way of rolling back. Um, for some reason, there were a few people that complained about the sound quality of the HomePod when it was released, saying it was too bassy, too boomy. And the HomePod doesn't have an equalizer. There's, there's no control. There's no EQ control for you to tweak things like on every other home speaker product. Apple pride themselves on the HomePod sensors, sort of detecting um, the configuration of a room, detecting where obstructions are, and tweaking the speaker itself to give the op optimum sound quality and um, using the optimum levels. And because of that, there's, there's no level of fine tuning or control. It is the Apple knows best approach that we're all used to. Um, and, you know, that was that. But I actually like the HomePod sound. You know, when I purchased my HomePod, it had um, a very strong bass, a punchy sound. It brought songs to life. It moved vocals to the front. I like that. There were some people who complained that it was too bassy. I personally didn't see what the problem was. There were some who complained that the mids were a little bit too muddled. So what's happened now is that Apple have essentially significantly lowered the bass level of the HomePod and they have pushed the mids up to the high end. And what happens now is you, you, what it sounds like is less bass, more treble. The speaker sounds flat. It sounds flatter than it used to. And it's a shame. And I've tested it with songs that I, I would play frequently. Um, and it, it, it doesn't sound as, as punchy and, 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 and has have enough weight to it. Um, the sound that, that, that it used to do. And even Apple's own reference songs, like, you know, there's the Spike Jonas advert, directed advert um, for HomePod. Um, it's got that track till it's over on there. You play that track on a HomePod prior to this update and oh my gosh it was brilliant you know the highs and the lows it, it really put the speaker to the test no wonder they used it in the advert they knew people would be using it as a reference song and it really sounded alive now it doesn't and I'm not happy and there's lots of people who have hit the forums on blogs such as Mac Rumors on Reddit um, and they're not happy too and I want my bass back Apple I want my bass. I've lost my bass. My HomePod sounds no different to um, probably a Sonos One or the um, the Amazon Echo Plus or something like that. I, I, I want my bass, my punchy sound, because you used to get a heck of a lot of sound from such a small speaker. And it seems to have gone. And this is obviously a response to the, few, the, the minority of people who said the HomePod was too bassy, too boomy. And not enough, um, you know, not enough detail in the mids. There's too much treble now. You put this thing up to 75% or above, it will hurt your, it will hurt your head. It will hurt your head. There's way too much treble and not enough in the lows. And, yeah, you know, unfortunately, I can't do anything about that because I've upgraded and you can't go back. There are no ports in the HomePod. As far as I know, you can't go back. Now, I've actually written a complaint to Tim Cook, whether Tim Cook or... Um, someone who works with Tim Cook will read it and pay attention to it. I don't know. I've actually um, registered a complaint via Apple's feedback to either give us a way to revert back to the previous um, setting or the, or the previous version of the HomePod firmware or give us some sort of EQ control. And, okay, I get Apple pride themselves on, on the technology that's in the HomePod. You don't need an equalizer. You, you know, it adjusts itself. I get that. If you're not going to give us an EQ, then at least give us certain modes that we can toggle. Like, for example, I want a bass heavy mode or I want a, um, you know, mids and highs accentuated mode. I want a spoken word mode or whatever. Just give us some simple modes that we can toggle on and off, which you can control. If you want to control it, fine. If you want to control the, the, um, the levels for each mode, that's fine. But realize that um, the enjoyment of music, enjoyment of sound is a very subjective experience. So one person's, oh, it's way too bassy. There's another person's, yep, this song has punch. This music has punch. This music has weight to it. I like the way the speaker sounds. You need to sort this out because I am really, really annoyed that my bass, my bass has been stolen from my 300 
plus pounds speaker. I'm annoyed as heck at that. And I'm hoping Apple will rectify the problem. And actually, as I record this, I notice many of the tech blogs are picking up on this story. Apple won't ignore this. They'll do something about it. I hope we don't have to wait for another point release. So iOS 11.4 for that to be rectified. I hope that this can be resolved quickly in an iOS 11.3.1 release or something. We, we need some sort of level of control of over HomePod sound. Um, we really do. Now, if anyone's yet to do the update and, and you know, and you're feeling a little bit brave, um, if you've got a good memory, um, you can, I've got a, a great song you can use to test uh, before and after, although your, your memory has to be really, really good to notice all the subtleties of the differences. Um, or, you know, if you have two HomePods, even better, upgrade one, don't upgrade the other if you're feeling brave. I don't advise you to do it. But the song to test it on, keep on moving, soul to soul, keep on moving. That song, if you listen to it before the update and then listen to it after the update, the difference is like night and day. It really is. Um, I mean, I'm sure... Let me know what you think, actually. So contact, contact contact us here at the intersection. Let me know what you think if you've noticed the difference in the sound. And let me know what songs in particular um, to your ears sound, sound completely different if, if they do. Because obviously, like I said, the enjoyment of music and, and what sounds good is that's, that's all very subjective. And we know... Um, we have a different level of intimacy with different songs, obviously based on our taste and based on what we like. One thing's for certain, I, I think there there has definitely been a change in the uh, the sound signature of the HomePod. For better or for worse, depends on who you ask. But I just think it's completely out of line that we weren't warned about this beforehand and that there seems to be uh, no return. Well, that's about all the time we have for this edition of The Intersection. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for listening. Um, just want to say that if you have yet to subscribe to us, please do. You'll find us listed on all major podcast directories. We're on iTunes. We're on TuneIn Radio. If you want explicit instructions on how to subscribe, you can go to our website, which is intersectioncast.com. If you prefer to follow what we're up to on social media and be informed of new episodes that way, you can reach us via Facebook. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash intersectioncast. Or if you prefer to follow us on Twitter, our Twitter account is at Let's Intersect. If you have any feedback or any, any suggestions on things you may want us to cover or you know any comments at all whatsoever, we would like to hear from you. You can reach us. Our email address is feedback at intersectioncast.com. You can also drop us a Skype voicemail and the Skype account is the same as the email address, feedback at intersectioncast.com. I'm John from Armin signing off another edition of The Intersection. And until the next time, that's a wrap. The intersection. intersection.